because I'm excited. We're going to be continuing a message. We're on part four already of the sermon series. Who remembers the title of what we've been talking about? Anybody? Kingdom culture. Thank you so much for paying attention. Y'all sound good this morning. We've been talking about kingdom culture. Let's say that together. Kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. We've been talking about how God wants the church to establish his kingdom and his culture in the earth. A culture defines a people. Who believes that our culture is defined by what God says? Let me say it like this. Who believes that our culture right now is being established by what God says? I'd highly disagree. Our culture is a mess. Why? Because we're not being led by the Spirit of God in so many facets and areas of our culture. Is Hollywood being led by Jesus Christ? No, no, no. Is our government being led by Jesus Christ? No, no, no. They may say that they are, but no, no, no. And I know it can be depressing and it can make you mad when we begin to talk about culture and about the direction our culture is currently going in our nation. But I got good news, guys. No president, no government, no social elite is going to have the power to save you, but I know somebody that does. His name is Jesus Christ. And just because our world may currently look like a mess, God is in control. Can I get an amen? And just because our culture is not reflecting his culture right now doesn't mean he wants us to stop or give up. It's the exact opposite. He wants those that really believe to begin to take and put their hands to the plow, right? going against the culture, countercultural for Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the manifestations of the kingdom of God. There's four of them. They're, they're internal, they're physical, it's eternal, and spiritual. And so today I'm excited we're going to pick up where we left off as we've been going on this for four weeks. And uh, we, we started here, our foundational scripture comes out of Mark. Let's read it together, Mark 1. We're going to read verses 14 and 15 together. Look what it says. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel and the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus, in Mark 1, as we just read, says, The kingdom of God is at hand. What is he saying? The kingdom of God, the time is now, right? Now. Now, if there's the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is now. There has to be urgency, guys. There has to be an urgency in our faith, in our actions, in our decisions, your daily decision making. If you believe in Jesus, there has to be an urgency that says, you know what, I'm motivated and I'm moving in the direction that God has for me. I'm allowing Jesus to be the shepherd of my life. He, he's my shepherd. I listen to his voice. I obey and I follow him, right? That's the kingdom culture that we, we, we have a shepherd. We follow God's leadership. And because we follow God's leadership, that sets an expectation and an attitude in the body of Christ, right? We know that we're loved. We know that we're cared for. He says that his pastures are good pastures and we can freely come and go because Jesus is the gate. Come on, somebody. We can freely come and worship. 
He provides all of our needs. He cares for us. He loves us. He comforts us. He gives us those, those, those fleeting things that we're all trying to get the world's way, right? The peace and the love and the forgiveness. Only God can give those. It's an attitude. It's an expectation that says we have what God says we have. We can do what God says we can do, and we can go where God says we can go because with God, all things are made possible, right? All things are made possible. We'll look at that first point together today. And for time's sake, we're not going to get into any of the recap that we've been talking about last couple weeks. But as I kind of just tiptoed around, as I said in the opening today, we really the last couple weeks we've been talking about those four manifestations of the kingdom of God. We said they're internal, spiritual, physical, and eternal. So today we're going to talk about the physicality, the physical representation of the kingdom of God. Hey, and if you missed any of those messages, they're available for you to watch online on our on all of our avenues at our social media pages and on our church app, okay? If you want if you missed any of those and you want to check them out. But look what that first point says for today as we talk about the kingdom of God being physical. The kingdom is physical because the kingdom of God is also supernatural. Say that word with me. Supernatural. The kingdom of God releases physical provision through spiritual power. There is a supernatural Override. As we talked about the kingdom of God being spiritual last week, we said, if you came, we said that because the kingdom of God is spiritual, it affects every area of our lives, right? The kingdom of God is spiritual, and so it affects all my decisions. The kingdom of God is spiritual, so it affects my relationships. It touches everything. It touches my finances. It touches my job. It touches my family. It touches my friends because the kingdom of God is is spiritual. And because that's true, if kingdom of God is spiritual and it affects everything, it also means it affects the physical. And it's really the kingdom of God because it is spiritual, it overrides the physical. And this is good news because the kingdom of God is physical. And I'm not talking about, we're not going to be talking about the church building today and your Bibles today and your small groups today, are those physical things? Yes, and they're important. You need those things. That's a representation of the physicality of the kingdom of God. But what I'm talking about is your physical needs. Anybody got any of those? <laughs> Don't lie in church, right? You got bills. You need a good house. You need a good car. You need a good job. You need... Somebody likes cheese. good cheeseburgers, good ones. Midas burgers and Arab, they're pretty good. Right? Lord knows your physical needs. We're going to read in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, you don't need to worry because God knows. So there's a physical manifestation of the kingdom of God. But here's the cool thing. Because everything is spiritual, God wants to fulfill those physical needs by fulfilling that spiritual need first. There is always a spiritual path to that physical unanswered prayer. Let's say you need a new job. If you seek the kingdom of God first, there is a per I believe there's a perfect job that God has for you. The perfect job a vocation that God wants to place you in. It's sitting, it's waiting. But you can, can you get the wrong job? You certainly can. How? 
by not doing life God's way, by, by seeking other kingdoms first, by, by, by not doing your homework, by not doing your due diligence. If you need a car today, God's, God's got a car for you. If you, if you, you fill in the blank. Let me, can I tell a little story, actually? I, the Holy Spirit just kind of reminded me of this. And tell you how not to do it, <laughs> by, by how we did it once. The car that we currently have, Jessica's probably chuckling on the inside. We're blessed. It's an amazing car, the little white Kia Sorento that we have. We had a physical need. Jessica got in a real bad car wreck a few years back, totaled that car. Praise God, she's still with us. God kept him safe, and she's still here. <clears throat> insurance paid for the car, so we had a check to get a brand new car. And one day I'm just driving down the road, and I, we knew what we wanted. And I seen the, the, that type of car on the side of the road in Arab. I said, you know what? I got home from work, told Jess, we seen to go look at this car. So that night we go look at that car. Uh, we drive that car. We meet with that car. And that moment at that night, we told that guy we want this car. And it was my fault because I'm the man and I'm the leader. We knew what we wanted, but looking back, after we bought this car, there was like one thing wrong after the another for the first about six months. And I really feel like it was my fault because we did not really pray and talk about that car. Your pastors are imperfect. I share that to say we had a physical need and we did it the wrong way. Now, we're blessed. It's an amazing car. It's working right. Praise God. And knock on wood right now. But we currently need a new car. We need a minivan. We've shared that. So guess what we're going to do this time? We are going to pray and I'm going to check it out. I'm going to take my time and I'm going to leave that salesman hanging and dangling a little bit. Right? And so man, I got off on all sorts of crazy rabbit trails today already. But if you have a need, seek his kingdom first. Because everything spiritual, it affects the physical, and it overrides. When you do it God's way, when you're doing it in relationship with God, it overrides the, the physical provision that you need because God releases it through spiritual power. Amen? Look at Matthew 6. Let's read it together. I want to give you verses 31 through 33. It says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Do these sound like physical things? They sound like needs, right? <clears throat> Jesus says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows. What does it say? All. There it is. All of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek ye first, the New King James Version says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. So I want to present you with a question. What do you, you, I'm speaking to you, individually, independently, what do you seek first? I hope it's the kingdom of God. But church statistics will tell us that it's not true. See, we sit in church and we hoot and holler on Sunday, but guess what? Life happens. And Monday morning, a lot of us are not seeking first. Seek ye first. We have all the issues, all the problems, all the questions. 
When you leave these doors, they still stare us in the face, right? That's okay. I want to give you hope today because Jesus sees all of your needs. And he wants to provide for all of those needs. But he wants us to make him first. Put him first. And if I can put him first, Jesus is not but a man that he should lie. He is the son of God. And I believe it gives them pleasure to meet those needs. Who has ever had a God-sized prayer answered? Man, how good did that feel? Can you even describe it? I don't know. I've had some amazing miracle moments in my life. And when God answered that prayer, man, it felt so good. I wonder oftentimes how good it feels for him. If it makes you feel that good, how how good do you think it feels for the provider to make that thing for you? I'm a parent. Any parents in the house? You love, the most exciting thing is when you, you, like, when you give your kids gifts. Christmas now is all about your kids, and it's more exciting to see them get the stuff you got them, right, than it is for you to open the stuff that you get. I believe because we're created in the image of God, and that's an attribute that God has given us a good one, that we even understand that to provide and meet someone else's needs is one of the best things we can do in our lives. And God, it excites him. His desire is to meet your needs. But what do you seek first? If you're not seeking him first, can I challenge you today? Test him. Test him. Seek his Word first. Seek prayer first. Seek his ways first. Before you ask your best friend or before you ask your parents or before you seek him first. Test him and see. Culture defines a people. We need to be doing, Christians, the body of Christ, need to do life the same. By God's standard. When we seek God's kingdom first, guess what happens? Unity. Unity within the body of Christ. One, what happens when unity happens? You have all sorts of people coming together for the same cause. One body, the same mission, the same works. Isn't that what a culture is? A body of believers coming together. When we can all seek God's kingdom first, then unity can happen. So look at that next point. If we don't seek God's kingdom first, what's the opposite of unity? Division. And as long as we are all seeking our own kingdoms, our own flesh, our own ways, not God's way, division will happen. Right? But... This is going to be our confession of faith today. God's kingdom is not divided, and God is not bipolar. A double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. Double-mindedness is really a cancer to the body. One second I believe, the next second I don't. One second I I believe, the next second I I doubt. Double-mindedness, and you can't receive anything good when you're when you're on that, that faith fence, right, that, that, that metaphorical fence where you just, you got your toes dipped in, right? 
God wants us all in. You hear me say that a million times. But double-mindedness, you have to see it's, it's a cancer to the body of Christ, but it's also a cancer just to your life. If we believe in Jesus and he is the answer, that's be all in on that answer. That's be all in on Jesus. That's not put a timeline on God and say, okay, God, I'm believing you for this physical need, but I'm going to give you six weeks, right? Six months. And if you can't answer this prayer by then, well, then I'm trying something else. I feel like a lot of people in the back of their mind, that's kind of how they're playing out their lives. That's kind of how they're playing out their faith. God, I'll give you a chance for this extended amount of time. And then when this happens or this doesn't happen or this, this happens, then I'm trying this. We cannot have a plan B. That's the kingdom culture. That's a kingdom mindset. And I believe that's really how God is. He's pruning the vine, so to speak. Jesus said, I am the vine. And you are merely the branches. You shall bear good fruit. In these last days, you want to talk about some pruning, God is going to be going, going to town on pruning the lifeblood and the vine of Christ, the body of Christ. Because those that truly believe will be continue to stand and continue to bear fruit, good fruit, holy fruit. And they have a physical fruit, a representation of the kingdom of God, because they're following God. Their faith is in him and in him alone. If we're not united in what we stand for, the, the message of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, not only if we're not united in that through the kingdom culture that Jesus has established, not only are we missing the mark, but we're going to fail. If we're not all seeking first the kingdom of God, we will fail. Personally, we'll set our kids up for failure. We'll set our grandkids up for failure. Failure, excuse me, we need to be united. So look at Luke. We're going to be in Luke 11 here for a little bit today, but I want to get the first two verses I want to give you are 18 and 20. Look what Jesus said. So be, let me preface the scripture for a second. People were coming to Jesus, the Pharisees, and they were accusing Jesus of being the devil, saying, you are a devil. You're not, you're not the son of God. And they were accusing him of casting out demons, the devil casting out demons. And I, I love Jesus' response. Look, look what he says. He says, Satan is also divided against him. If Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? We know that a people divided against itself cannot stand, right? Because you say, I cast out de demons by Beelzebub, and I cast out demons by Beelzebub. By whom would your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, if I was the devil, why would I be casting out myself? Right? If, if, if I'm the devil, why would I be casting out the devil? And I often wonder if the culture of, of, of evil, the only thing God is divided against is evil. And sin. That's why Jesus was casting out demons, setting the captives free, because he is divided against everything that falls short against the glory of God, sin and evil. And I often wonder if the enemy plays on that division in our lives within the church, I often wonder if 
the enemy's army, the devil's army, the, the devil's culture is less divided against itself than the church. Because as you see culture play out in our nation, you have, I call it the demon crap party. And there are evil Republicans also. But the far left Democrat party has lost their mind. And they are trying and accomplishing many things. And it's because they are so united in their cause of what they want to accomplish in evil that they're going to let nothing stand in their way. And here we are, professors in Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of the Most High, churches all across the nation, and we can't agree if you can come to church in blue jeans. And we're fighting over doctrine. Fighting over music. Thank you. The music's too loud. The music's too quiet. They actually have instruments on the stage. We've got to be united in the most fundamental basic truth that Jesus is. And if we can come into agreement with that, not the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. But as long as we fight and bicker about all these things that don't make sense, and the whole time the enemy's laughing, look at them. They believe it. They say they believe in Jesus. They think they walk in power, and they can't even agree on this. And the whole time, those that are living in evil are more united. More united. Now, they're not stronger. Don't, don't, don't hear, don't misrepresent what I'm saying. They ain't stronger than the church. But we got to be united. United. And who Jesus says we is and what Jesus wants to do in and through it. A culture's cause is what unites it. What is our cause? The reaping of souls. That's got to be our cause. And if we can rally around that cause, because when I was in my sin, God still loved me. And because that, that magnificent, radical love transformed my life, I got to tell somebody. Right? Because if we reap souls for the kingdom of God, all the physical things that are a mess in our culture will get fixed through spiritual means, through spiritual avenues. When Jesus transforms and cleanses us from the inside, we see our sin for what it is. We turn our wicked ways. And now maybe our culture can begin to represent and be established kingdom culture, the, the culture of heaven within the earth. Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in. He wants us to establish his culture in earth, and we do that by the reaping of souls. Look at that next point. Look what it says. So spiritual shifts, that's what we need to happen in our world is this spiritual shift. If you're here in, in church today, you've probably gone through a spiritual shift. Think back to your salvation day or how you used to live. Somewhere along the lines, God, God got his hands on you. God got his hands on you. And you realize I'm just the clay and he's the potter. And he began to transform your life, right? That's that spiritual shift. And the spiritual shift is what creates the physical manifestation, the, the physical transformation, the physical changes 
the things that we're praying for to be changed, there has to be a, sh- a spiritual shift first. The rest of that statement says God's kingdom releases God's power to save, heal, deliver, redeem, and restore. Sound like good things? We all know somebody that needs all those things to happen in their life, right? People we love and care about. And here's the thing. Nothing is impossible in the kingdom of God. Many of our physical problems, most all of them that we independently have in your personal life, the physical problems that are staring us in the face in our culture as we're talking about some of these, they all, somebody say all, put that in the chat today if you're joining us, all, all caps, they all, all the physical problems all stem from spiritual issues. Why are people strung out and addicted to prescription pills, to alcohol, and drugs? Because they're trying to fill a spiritual hole in their life. They feel empty. They feel dead. They feel neglected. And when they're high, they get to escape that. The enemy plays on the spiritual holes to create a physical problem. What happens if you do that long enough? I come from addiction. Your physical problems become more and more and more. I thought I had a problem five years before I started drinking. Now I got a laundry list of problems. You have a physical healing that needs to happen. Maybe you have a, you've been diagnosed with a certain illness or a sickness or disease There is a spiritual pathway to your healing, physically. I have seen people through encounters, they actually have a physical ailment. Their back may actually hurt. They may actually have migraines and headaches. But when they come through the encounter, they see that their physical issue stemmed from a spiritual problem. They actually are, they they feel the pain. But until they forgive the person, they're living in bitterness or unforgiveness or there was a trauma or an event and this this thing that happened in your life, you compartmentalize it and you own it and you keep it stuffed down in a spiritual place and it manifests physically. Spiritual shifts create physical manifestations. When you make that spiritual shift and align your life up with Jesus' life, a physical manifestation can occur, can happen. We said it last week, who the Son sets free is free indeed. In God's kingdom, people actually get set free. Actually, real freedom. The world wants to bind people and keep people, make them slaves. Work for the man. In God's kingdom, people actually get set free. Nothing is impossible in the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? Let's read Luke 18, 26 or 27. Those who heard and this asked, who then can be saved? I feel like Jesus probably chuckled in his head. He's thinking all can be saved. Now it's going to take faith. But look what he says. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Only God can complete that impossible thing in your life. Only God. If you seek his kingdom first, 
you get to receive the benefit of that blessing. Only God can fulfill that thing. Man, we'll try all sorts of things. Man, we put band-aids. We use band-aids. God, he uses a blood transfusion. A spiritual, total cleansing from the inside. See, a band-aid is just superficial, right? It, it just, it's temporary. It, it temporarily subdues the issue, the problem, the hurt, the thing. But when you get a blood transfusion, come on, can I get an amen? Only God can do the impossible. And he does it from the inside. He does it from the inside, cleansing us, impacting the physical, the, the external, the outside, the external portions of the, the kingdom of God. Look at that next point. So no matter what it looks like, guys, remember this. God's kingdom, it overcomes. Who's read the end of the, the, the book, the end of the Bible? Anybody? We win. And guess who else knows that? The devil. God's kingdom overcomes the enemy, strips the enemy, and divides the spoils. The kingdom of God enforces the victory of the cross, heals the hurts, exposes the lies, ministers truth, transforms the physical realm, and manifests the promises of God. No matter what the world may say, I'm glad I'm on his team. The world will scoff. Say, oh, you believe in Jesus? Oh, if you live for Jesus, you can't enjoy all this. You can't enjoy this. You can't enjoy that. You can't enjoy... No, no, no. There's nothing more fulfilling in my life than my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have a better life. The best, the best moments, the best memories in my life have all happened when I came to know him. Every now and again, the enemy will try and remind me of nights out partying in college or nights getting drunk with my friends. And the enemy, you, if you come from addiction, you better take captive, the Bible says, of those thoughts. Because as soon as you begin to entertain them, you might think, you know what, it was kind of good back then. No, it was death back then. You never remember all the, the terrible things, right? All, all the sleepless nights and, 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 and the jail cells and the and, and the problems and the, the tests and the trials. Because God's kingdom overcomes the enemy. He is stronger. He is well and able. I am glad that I'm on his team. And I wouldn't trade it in for anything. So I don't know where you're at today. Be all in. Because you're on the team that wins. Even though the world may Try to make it seem like we lose and we are on the losing end of everything. That's not the case, guys. That's not the case. Hell, there's no side I'd rather be on. God's team always wins. I want to take you back to Luke chapter 11. If you got your Bibles, flip back there. We read 18 through 20. I want to give you the next couple of verses, 21 through 23. So look what Jesus said. And the Holy Spirit actually almost flipped this entire verse in my life this week as I was reading and studying it. I'll explain here in a moment. But let's read it together. Look at verse 21. It says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger, someone say stronger. 
stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor which the man trusted and divides. Look at this. Divides up the plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Has I, the Holy Spirit revealed to me this week, I feel like maybe I used to read that scripture from a place of fear almost. Presenting that, that power of that somebody that could come in and steal and kill and destroy, which John 10, 10 Jesus said is of the devil, he does that. And attributing this stronger person, place, or thing to the enemy. Right? Like the enemy is always trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Holy Spirit flipped that this week. What if Jesus is telling us that that stronger someone, now he didn't say an evil someone or a sinful someone. He said someone stronger. Say that with me. Someone stronger. What if Jesus is talking about himself? Come on, somebody, because we're on the winning team that somebody stronger is Jesus. Whatever the world has cannot compare. Whatever the devil has cannot compare. Jesus is stronger, and God's kingdom always gets the spoils. So if you can seek his kingdom first, the spoils can be yours. The benefits of God's physical kingdom can be yours. You can have great relationships. You can have a great house. You can have a great spouse. You can have great kids because he, Jesus, is that somebody stronger. And what if the enemy is that one that's trying to hold on to you, to hold on to us? He's trying to hold on to you. He knows if you can, if you can break free from that, then it's all over for them. We got to be united in knowing that Jesus is is stronger. And not choosing Jesus means you ultimately lose. Not choosing Jesus means you ultimately lose. Isn't it funny how the enemy will even play on that? If I don't, if I don't choose Jesus today, I can take this shortcut. I feel like I'm getting away with something. If, if you don't choose Jesus, you lose then and you lose on Judgment Day. Amen. Even if it takes me longer to get to God's promised land, I want to be on His team. Because on Judgment Day, that's the day that matters. And if you don't have Jesus, you lose. Look at that last point. The kingdom of God is unshakable and immovable, and always advancing. We're either moving with it or against it. There is no neutral ground. And I believe this is really the God's pruning, the neutral ground, gray Christians. They're not necessarily living fully in the light because they're partially living in darkness. They like to dabble in darkness, and then they like to come to church on Sunday. And then they go back to dabbling in darkness, and they come back to church on Sunday. They live gray lives. They ain't transforming anybody. They ain't, they ain't living in, in power. They're just walking the walk, talking the talk. They got the t-shirt, got the bumper sticker. God's kingdom at the end is going to be filled with, with no neutral ground. You are in light or you are in darkness. Right? And because the enemy is always advancing, so must we. They're united in their cause. For evil 
selfishness, all the things they want to accomplish, just as they are united and advancing, we have to be united and advance. A people that just allows a people to attack them end up dying. Eventually, you're going to have to fight back, right? So we must be advancing the kingdom of God. The time for defense is over. Y'all say that with me. Over. We have to be playing some offense. You know what? I used to play football growing up, play basketball, and there's a time and a place for defense, but offense is a whole lot much more fun when you're scoring points, right? Ain't no fun to get beat up 56 to zero. That ain't no fun. We need to be scoring points for the kingdom of God. A a world-renowned theologist, uh, I think it was in the 1800s, Edmund Burke, he made a quote, he made a statement one time. He said, for evil to prevail, all it takes is for good people to do nothing. I love that quote, but I believe there's going to be a lot of people on Judgment Day that stand there before their maker and say, but I was a good person. That's a great quote, but we need to be more than just good people. We need to be godly sons and daughters. And if we're not godly sons and daughters, evil will prevail if we sit by and do nothing. God wants not just good people. He wants godly sons and daughters to do something, to stand against evil and to move to evil and to dispel darkness with our words and our lives and our ministries, taking the fight to the enemy. The enemy is always advancing, so must we. And I don't think being tired is enough to stop them. Is that your excuse? Because you're tired? Guys, if that's our heart, we're going to lose. You will lose. I can't, Pastor Ian, because I'm tired. Y'all know what tired feels like. The feeling of tiredness will come, but it will also go in Jesus' name. And I, I guarantee you, those living in evil, the Democrats, as I like to call them, they ain't going to let being tired stop them. And if we let being tired stop us, God help us. God help our kids. He's entrusted the kingdom of God onto us. So what are we going to do with that? Let's take it to the ends of the earth. Anybody? You want to take it to the ends of the earth with me? Amen. We need godly men, godly women to answer that call. And to keep running, to keep charging. And guess what? Marshall, if you do that, and Stacia, you do that, Tommy, you do that, Daniel, you do that, Rob, you do that, Pete and Becky, you do that, Jeannie, you do that, Meredith, you do that, Jimmy, Karen, you do that, Miss Monica, Jonathan, Forrest, Savannah. If we all do that together, I don't have to feel alone. You don't have to feel alone. When you're fighting, when you're charging, when you're praying, 
when you're believing, you can say, you know what? No, no, no. Marshall, you can say, Ian's doing it with me. Stacia can say, you know what? No, Tanya's doing it with me. Because we're not in it alone, guys. As long as we're united by his cause and by who Jesus is, we can win. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and thank you. I thank you for the great commission to be ambassadors of Christ in the world. Jesus, just as you prayed, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I pray we would grab hold of that, those words and that promise. You've entrusted us to establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So I pray when we leave here today, we would be the ambassador for Christ. We would be clothed in who you are, God, and your attributes and the good things that you have for us. That we want to be stingy givers, that we would be faithful givers into your house and into the world of those that are in need. <clears throat> As I get ready to close, if you're in a daily relationship with God, we call it being born again or being saved, it's a daily relationship. If you're already entered into that relationship, I want you to pray right now for the lost. For somebody that, that may not be living their life the way God says to live. But if you, are, if you are here today in our sanctuary, or if you're joining us online today, and you may say, Pastor Ian, I, I think that's me. If there's a think, and you, you think that you're not in relationship, you, you, you're probably not, because this should be pretty clear. You're either in relationship with God on a daily basis, or you're not. You allow God to lead your decisions and your words in your life, or you allow your, yourself to lead your decisions, your words, and your life. And so, but if you want to change that, man, I got good news for you. I want to pray for you right now. I want to change. Today's going to be a moment where your life begins to change. A transformational moment will start here and now. If you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your life can change. I promise you. He did it for me. He can do it for you. If you want to make that decision right now, I want you to do something. If you're in our sanctuary, I want you to lift your hand up real high or just stand up. One of the two. Lift your hand up to say, I hear what God's saying to, to me. I, I, he's dealing with my heart. I want to change my life. Stand up or lift your hand up. A few seconds, praise God. There's people raising their hands. Keep them lifted for just a moment. Keep them lifted and just listen to my voice and focus on him. Thank you for your faith and your honesty in his house today. Hands going up. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat. To let us know if you're praying this prayer also. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. You may lower those hands. I want to pray over you. And as you lower your hands, I want you to know God loves you. God knows you. And there's nothing off the table for you. If you can be all in on him, then he, he, he's all in on you. I mean, there's nothing off the table for you. If you have a God-sized dream with him, the relationship, it can be accomplished. Amen. I want to lead us all in a prayer for those who lift their hands today. I want everyone in the sanctuary to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you. We accept your son, Jesus. We believe that he's the son of God, savior of my life. And now I confess that he is my personal Lord and savior. Forgive me in my past. Forgive me in my sins. And send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future and lead my life 
until you call me home one day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hold on one second. Sugar Boo's got something to say. Amen. Well, who's glad you came to church today? Praise God. Thank you so much for coming. As Pastor Jessica just just told me, reminded me, one quick announcement before y'all are officially dismissed. Who all adopted backpacks? Okay, since we're meeting in Arab next week, you got two ways to drop them off. You can, you can bring them filled with everything that you purchased to the Arab service and will be a place for us to receive them from you. Or if you're not going to be able to be there and you're closer to the Holly Pond campus on Friday night at CR, you can come and drop them off here. CR starts at 530, okay? <laughs> Miss Becky said if you can come only come by at, during the day, she'll be here at noon to, to help you in any way that she can. Amen. Well, praise God. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Awesome. We love you.